Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Well, good morning. I uh, want to make one very minor but important correction, I think, to something that Andrea said, and it's not her fault. She uh, introduced me as a, uh, or made the comment earlier just now that I was a retired minister, and that's not quite correct. I want to tamp down your expectations. <laughs> I, I did study theology a long, long, long time ago uh, at university, uh, but I chose to become a teacher in high school after that, so I did not practice as a minister. So. Um, uh, recall what I'm just saying here when uh, you may think, oh, what's he doing up there? He's, you know, so, um, but uh, thank you, Andrea, for the introduction. And I want to thank Andrea and John for uh, a couple months ago extending an invitation to me to help with the service today. It's a great honor to stand here in this very significant spot, I think, in Calgary, actually, and um, help to participate in worship. So um, I feel very honored and humbled. This is a very unusual day because January the 1st and Sunday don't very often happen on the same day, as you know, once every seven years. And uh, this is that seventh year when we have Christmas Day and New Year's Day, both falling on a Sunday. I did some calculations, and this church is about 110, or slightly more than 110 years old. So that means that since Hillhurst United Church opened as a church, New Year's Day has been busy in here 16 times. This is the 16th time, if there was some kind of a worship service, each time Sunday and January the 1st coincided. If that happened since 1913, I think, when Hillhurst opened, this might be the 16th time. So you're special. Uh, today, you're only one of 16 groups that have been here on New Year's Day. So congratulations and thank you for coming. I didn't make this bet with Andrea, but I had thought over the last two months, I'm going to make Andrea some kind of bet about how many people are here today because it's New Year's Day. And I thought, well, there might be 20 people here. If I had made that bet with her, I would have lost the bet because there are many more than 20 of you. So thank you very much for coming and people of all ages as well, which is quite wonderful. As Andrea said, John Pentland is beginning his sabbatical today and I wish him a fruitful time during the next three months as well as, uh, as Andrea's wishes were extended a few moments ago. But John Pentland's a hard man to get away from even though he's on sabbatical, yesterday morning at breakfast, as I was just going over in my head my final thoughts for today, although this was prepared uh, a while earlier than that, my wife said, she was looking at the Calgary Herald, and she said, oh, here's an opinion column by John Pentland. And I was a bit surprised because a week ago, John Pentland had another article in the Calgary Herald. Yesterday, my wife is saying to me, are you going to talk about looking backward and looking forward? And I said, yes. And then I waited a moment, and she read a bit more, and then she said, are you going to talk about Janus, the Roman god? And I said, yes. Oh, 
Well, John's talking about that in his article. So I'm, how did John Pentland get my sermon? So I looked at the rest of the article, however, and from that point on, we don't have exactly the same material. So if you read John's article yesterday in the Calgary Herald, and I believe it was emailed out from the church uh, in the last couple of days, that article and the one from a week ago, both um, were mailed out. So if you've read those, you may notice a few uh, similar words, just a few that he and I um, have in common in our comments. I think we should thank John. I know he's not here now, but perhaps someday, sometime he'll watch this. John is a remarkable public theologian in Calgary. Uh, his articles in the newspaper and uh, letters, in fact, to the Calgary Herald and also to the Globe and Mail, which has a national circulation. His contributions in that way, I think, emphasize always the importance of good religion. That religion, a good religion, has an important role to play in our society. And John stands up for that and writes about it. So I think we're very fortunate, as we all know, to have John um, here and on the staff at Hillhurst. <laughs> During the week between Christmas and New Year's, we're inclined to look back and you know, consider the events, especially of the past year, and then to look forward, and we talk about making New Year's resolutions. I'm going to mention the word vision a couple times today, and I'm thinking of the word vision as being a bigger word than a resolution. Nothing wrong with resolutions, and maybe you've made some important resolutions, but resolutions come in one year and they go out the other year, you might say. But a vision is long-lasting. Um, you might say a, a, a resolution is like a piece of pie. I think in terms of pie all the time. A resolution is one piece of pie, but a vision is the whole pie. It's a bigger picture. And a vision is what really guides our life and our actions. So it's important to have an important vision to help us get through life. Well, back to January the 1st today, and um, I'm going to ask for our picture of Janus, the god that was in John's article yesterday, and Janus is up here on the screen. Janus was a Roman god, Roman mythology, and Janus was the god of beginnings and endings, and the god of gateways and portals and passageways. Well, January, J-A-N, etc., our month is called January because of Janus. And uh, <clears throat> so that's one reason perhaps that we're prompted at this time of the year, the end of December, the end of one year, and the beginning of the next year, beginning of January. We look back over the last year or perhaps over many years. Um, the more mature of us can look back farther back, and then we look toward the future with resolutions or hopes for a, a good year in the year ahead. Janus sort of reminds me of a, a driving instructor, or perhaps all of us should look a little bit like that when we're driving our cars. Looking forward and looking back at the same time, wouldn't that be helpful? And I checked Google, and uh, if you're driving your car, you're supposed to look back in the rearview mirror every 
five to eight seconds. So if you're doing your driver's test next week, remember that. Every five to eight seconds, you're supposed to look in their rearview mirror. You need to look in the mirror before changing lanes, before slowing up, before putting your brakes on. You need to know what's going on behind you. And that way you can you know better what you should be doing as you're going forward. Likewise, historians, I think, would tell us that we need to know about history. We need to know what went on before so that we can plan for the future wisely and avoid the mistakes of the past. So, as you go forward into 2023, maybe we can all be a little bit like Janus, and as we look back, and perhaps now we're already into the new year, we're looking ahead, but in the last week, some of us perhaps looked back and reflected um, about uh, how we got to where we are, and now we're looking ahead already. Um, <clears throat> So we can say goodbye to Janus, uh, and uh, you can just kind of think about that picture. While our minister John is on a sabbatical for a few months, may I suggest that we all might take some sabbatical moments. He has a long kind of academic sabbatical, if you like. But um, we need to take some sabbatical moments uh, every day if we can to kind of ground ourselves and get away from the busyness of life. We need to turn back and reflect and be grateful for the past or perhaps even be angry at the past that might have mistreated or hurt us so that we can go ahead and shape an appropriate vision for the future. And academic sabbaticals, by the way, I just looked this up again on Google. Google started in 1880 at Harvard, as you might expect. Harvard University offered professors a chance to take part of a year off. And the reason for that was, as they quote, to aid faculty in resting, recovering, and to facilitate advancement in knowledge. Advancement in knowledge. Rest, recovering, and advancement in knowledge. The word sabbatical comes from Sabbath, uh, the day of rest mentioned frequently in the Hebrew scriptures. God rested on the seventh day in the creation story, and one of the commandments that God gave to Moses as the exodus was leaving Egypt on their way to a promised land was to rest on the seventh day. And then when they were to get into the promised land, the Israelites were to actually rest on the seventh year. Every seventh year, they were supposed to let the, lie, the ground or the earth lie fallow, if you like, don't plant any crops, and let the earth renew itself on that seventh year. So the vision for the Sabbath was that it was a time of economic and environmental rest and renewal, after which the people and all creation would flourish having had a chance to rest and be restored. Each of us has our own reasons for needing a mini, sab mini sabbatical, if I can call it that, to cope with the busyness of life, to come to grips with the highs and lows of our experience, to deal with family issues, to learn more about the past as we look back to the people and events that have shaped our identity 
We can look back to seek the truth among the onslaught of information that is about us. The data collectors tell us that in one day in our lives now, at the end of one day, we have been exposed to 6,000 pieces of advertising. That's a bit hard to believe, but that's what it said. 6,000 pieces of advertising. I guess it depends how often we're looking at media and so on. And we're exposed to about 100,000 words a day through all sources, print, hearing, radio, etc., TV. And we check our cell phones once every 10 minutes. I don't, but younger people do. Um, sometimes from this pulpit we've heard the word of the year mentioned. I know John likes to do that. This year the Merriam-Webster Dictionary Company has named this awful ugly word as the word of the year. The word is gaslighting. I despise that word, but it's been, I hear it often in the news in the last couple of years, I guess. Gaslighting. Kind of means lying. I think we should just say somebody's lying and they say, oh, so-and-so's gaslighting me. Well, the source of the word I thought was interesting, again, it comes from a play from England in 1938. And the name of the play was Gaslight. Two words, Gaslight, the name of the play. In the play, a man tries to make his wife think she's going insane. One way he does this is to dim the gas light in their home. And when his wife thinks something's wrong, he says, no, no, there's nothing different. Of course, he's lying to her, trying to make her think that she cannot trust her own eyes. So he's gaslighting her, but he's lying to her. The dictionary chose this word because in the age of misinformation, misinformation, fake news, and conspiracy theories, gaslighting has emerged as our word for our time. That's from the dictionary company, gaslighting. With so much information and stimulation around us, it's easy to live on the surface of life or above the fold as a book that came out this year about newspaper publishing is called Above the Fold. And again, for older people like me who read newspapers, <laughs> and especially newspapers that look like this, there's a fold. And when you go to buy the newspaper in the store, as maybe a few of you still do, as I do, the papers are piled up like this, and above the fold is what's on the top part of the front page. And so there's a headline, this was yesterday's Calgary Herald about impaired drivers. So you put an attention-grabbing headline up here and perhaps a compelling picture, and that's above the fold. And it's so easy for us these days to live above the fold, if you like, uh, because we have so much information coming that we are on the surface quite a bit of the time, and we don't have time to go deeper to go inside the paper and look at the hard news. And those of you who are reliant on your cell phone for a great deal of news, I think you get all those quick messages in, but you know, how truthful is some of it, and how deep do you go into the more profound information? 
Do we have time to do that? So we need to take to make sure that we're taking time to go a little deeper and find a deeper meaning, perhaps, in what's going on around us. The scripture passage that uh, was read today is a continuation of the story of Jesus' birth in Matthew's gospel. It's an example of the New Testament turning back, if you like, to the Old Testament to find out what the New Testament should say. Matthew was the most um, Jewish, if you like, of the New Testament of the gospel writers in that he wanted, to, he wanted Jesus to be portrayed, his Jesus in Matthew, as following the pattern that was set in the Old Testament. And the hero of the Old Testament, the first part of it was Moses, who led the people out of Egypt, out of oppression in Egypt, to this promised land. And they left a land where they were in bondage to the Pharaoh, and they were on a journey to a new land of promise and hope and freedom. So Matthew wants to make sure that Jesus is thought of in that way, of leading people from... <clears throat> perhaps discrimination and prejudice in their life or being ill-treated. And Jesus was going to lead them as he leads us, if you like, into a, a time and a place where we can all flourish and be treated fairly. So Matthew has <coughs> the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph and the baby, are taken or go back to Egypt, way over there to Egypt, which was quite a distance from where they were, Jesus was born. The other gospel story about the birth doesn't mention this escapade at all. And we really don't know about what really happened in history. But Matthew's story has Jesus be taken back into Egypt and then come out of Egypt a few days or a few years later when it's safe to come back. Because Herod wants to get rid of Jesus and uh, kills all these young children in Bethlehem. The young boys under two years of age are killed because he wants to make sure that this king of the Jews, as the wise men called him, doesn't prosper and continue to live on. So Herod tries to get rid of Jesus, and so Matthew says, we're going to have a story where the Holy Family escapes and then comes back later when Herod has died. <clears throat> Marcus Borg, the New Testament scholar, writes that Matthew wants to portray Jesus as a new Moses leading a new exodus from a new Pharaoh, that is Herod. Instead of the Pharaoh of Egypt, Jesus is getting away from the, the, the Herod who wants to kill him, and he wants to lead them into a new life. Jesus is leading us into a new life as Moses led the Israelites into a new land and a more prosperous and free land Jesus is leading his followers into a new life. The black slaves in the United States sang it like this. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt land. Tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. Escape from slavery and oppression and go to a place where you can flourish. The, um, a few weeks ago, I noticed the stained glass window at the back of the church here, and we've been hearing about the characters in the 
bottom panel of that window. Moses is the one right in the center at the bottom, and I'm looking at Moses now with his tablets of stone, which have the Ten Commandments on them. And right above Moses is Jesus, the only, well, the main character in the top part of the window. And Jesus is larger than any of the other characters and is right above Moses, as if the writer of Matthew planned that window, perhaps, said, I want to put Jesus right above Moses because Jesus is sort of the new Moses who wants to liberate people from whatever might be holding them down. Just to conclude quickly, the, um, a few weeks ago there was a newspaper article or a newspaper page showed two articles side by side, and this is about contrasting visions, uh, kind of a Pharaoh Herod vision versus a Jesus vision, if you like. There was an article about Pope Francis and a picture of Pope Francis who had broken down in tears the day before when he was talking about Ukraine and praying for peace in Ukraine and talking about the suffering of the Ukrainian people. And there was a picture of the Pope with his head down and white garments on. Beside it was an article with a headline that said something like, the leader of Russia, who will remain nameless, the leader of Russia is musing about using nuclear weapons. Musing about using nuclear weapons. And I thought, what a contrast. Here's a vision from the Pope of peace and compassion and justice and fair treatment. And here's a vision of destruction and death, thousands of deaths and war and oppression. And which vision? Well, we know obviously which vision we want to follow. But that other vision is out there now. And uh, from all of the people that have come to Canada from the Ukraine, it makes that particular spot in the world very real for us uh, and sympathize with people who are being oppressed and trampled on for no good reason at all. In our sabbatical moments then, if we can find some, may we look back for energy and wisdom from the past so that we can bring forth a vision of a safe and just world where there are many safe spaces for people to land. May it be so, I say. And um, before I say amen to that, John Pentland comes back again, and from his article a week ago in the Calgary Herald, I'm concluding with John's two or three sentences. It's about Christmas is obviously a time to celebrate Jesus' birth, but it is also births, it also births an opportunity for us to refocus or recenter ourselves and how we will live our lives. Jesus is born, something in each of us is also born anew. And so may we think about that as we try to find some mini sabbatical time ourselves to contemplate what our vision is for the world. May it be so. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, 
we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.